So again, thank you very much, Angus, for for being with us tonight. And uh, it's a shame that the D's aren't going as well as uh, you would have liked. Hughes just said good evening and uh, end of the first quarter, Melbourne is up. Yeah. So that's good news. Yeah. Short podcast, Mick. (laughs) Hey? I could have to leave. (laughs) Well, you can't because all of these questions are questions that only you can answer. And so we've got a a bunch of... uh, Rather than answering specific questions, we've had questions coming through. Uh, Scott's joined us. Steve's joined us. Ben's joined us. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, instead of answering the, the questions that I've, uh, that, that I've had come through, we're just going to cover a bunch of, of points that hopefully will answer all of those questions. But if it doesn't, please do not despair. Uh, either ask your question in the comment section under the uh, the video or simply um, send through the question in a comment in either Builders Business Black Belt or Builders Inner Circle somewhere where uh, we'll find it and we'll do our very best to, to answer your question personally if we don't answer it tonight. But there's a bunch of things we want to get through, so let me shut up and get on with it. Um, one thing that we've spoken about in relation to builders is about the profit and loss. Now, I'm, I've never been a fan of the profit and loss. I know how to read it. I know what it means. It doesn't motivate me to make changes. It wasn't until I used profit first um, I made any changes. But um, you've said that the P&L really doesn't work for, for builders, uh, and there's some specific reasons for that. So... Uh, let me hear your reasoning behind that. Why doesn't the P&L work for a builder? Yeah, well, it doesn't work for a builder unless you do a few things. Um, and the, the reason why is the variability of the cash flows and, and or not just the cash flows, but the invoicing as well. Because, um, you know, as we've discussed um, in the last few weeks, you know, building is a lot different to a lot of other businesses in terms of, you know, when invoices come in and and so on um, compared to, you know, your average standard standard business. And so what it means is if if you get a whole heap of, of revenue in or you invoice your customers um, a lot in the early days but you don't receive many supplier or subcontractor invoices, then in the early days, obviously, your project is going to be showing that it's, it's very profitable. And then obviously vice versa, if you don't get to issue your customer invoices out until the end of the job but you're um, – um, all your supplier and subcontractor and materials um, invoices um, have already come in, then obviously it's not going to be, be looking good at all. So you know, if you want to get around that, you have to be making adjustments to the profit and loss statement. And to do that, you, you've got to just go, go through some calculations based on the cost you've incurred today and the revenue you expect to bill. And you do that through you know, a standard accounting adjustment. But the key point is that you you have to make that adjustment whenever you want to to see a meaningful profit and loss statement. Yeah. And one thing that you mentioned to me uh, as a, I suppose, a technique or an action that you can take to make the, the P&L more, more valuable uh, is you mentioned tagging expenses for uh, individual projects in your P&L. Just can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I mean, it is important. I mean, I've just sort of said that the P&L often doesn't work, but it's still, um, 
you know, a valuable document that, that you can refer to, especially at the end of a project. So when all the, the timing um, issues have been taken care of, and if you can tag your expenses to the particular project, then, you know, pretty much every accounting system will be able to um, run a profit and loss statement for each project, which is exactly what you want. Um, you know, at the end of the project, at the very least, or if you can do it during the project, it's going to help too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a simple uh, practice. You just need to do it, really. Um, set your accounting system up so it can handle um, costs, cost by project and go from there. Yeah. Now, uh, in, in previous conversations, you mentioned to me that uh, quite often, and, and particularly for, for builders running multiple projects, you've recommended um, opening up additional bank accounts. So you, you basically got profit first bank accounts for each project. Um, and I, I suspect that as soon as we mention this, as soon, <laughs> as, soon as we suggest this, we're going to have eyes rolling uh, and people huffing and blowing going, oh, you know, I don't want more and more and more bank accounts. Um, and to a certain extent, when you explained it to me, it made sense as far as um, an income account for that for, for a particular project and um, a materials and subcontractor account for that particular project. But then you mentioned a profit account for a particular project, and I went, "Oh, well, why would you need that? Why can't you use the the you know the, the single profit account?" And the way you explained it made total sense to me. So, can you outline the whole? thinking behind having multiple bank accounts for multiple projects because for some builders you know that they might have four or five projects on the go at once which means that they could have 20 bank accounts potentially yeah yeah that's right um and i hear what you're saying about not wanting to overcomplicate things that the key reason i think you do that do this is um to ensure that you're not borrowing or borrowing or taking from another project to fund a less profitable project, which you know can be quite quite likely if everything's going through the one bank account and you're just you know funding things you know from that, that one account. So obviously, if you've got different uh, materials and subs bank accounts for your different projects, then you can direct the appropriate amount of funds into those accounts and then. You can just make sure you spend from those accounts for every project. Um, if you can do that, then um, it'll help your visibility. It'll help make sure that you aren't taking from another project. It'll help overall your your project profitability. Um, and you know, it's it shouldn't be a huge amount of work to do it. Um, I think at the very least, you just want a materials and subs account and a profit account for each project. Because um, the, the whole thing we've spoken about with Profit First is not having that one bank account where all your funds sit and not having visibility and thinking you've got money when it's not yours. And if you can just simply divide it up by project, it's going to make it easier. It's going to make it more visible and better. And when you think about the amount of money that you're turning over, because if you're building, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for a small project. So... Yes, there, there may be a little bit more work, but you know the, the rewards and the results 
you know, I think are well worth it given the sums you're dealing with. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a common issue often that, that, that I come across speaking to people um, and, and even our own, <coughs> pardon me, accountant in, in the beginning that they go, oh, you know, all of these extra bank accounts and there'll be extra costs and all of that sort of stuff. But it, it's such crap because um, the, the, the difference in having bank accounts where you can see the amount of money in it and how that affects your decisions and, and how that increases the amount of profit you end up with because you're making better decisions, you're spending less, you're really watching what's going on um, a lot more carefully, you end up with significantly more amounts of, of profit and less stress that comes with that. Like the, the majority of stress is how am I going to pay the bills and all of the confusion that, that, that comes from uh, trying to manage um, the, the finances w- with a, a fundamentally flawed process. So it, to me, it just it makes total sense now that you've explained it to me and, and I'm a big uh, fan of this. You know, Once you explained it to me uh, previously, I became a big fan of this. And in fact, Adam, uh, who's just joined us as well as Ollie, Andrea's here as well. Uh, we've got a couple of Steves. Um, Adam says he loves it. It's been a goal of his since reading Profit First. Um, spending other people's money, including clients, you know, having these extra bank accounts. Now, the one thing that really made sense to me was, uh, I, I, I don't remember the exact phrase you used, but it sounded like um, a bank balance accounting. Was that what you said a lot of people use? And that's why the, a lot of these bank accounts would, would help? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So I what's, mean, that, what's bank balance accounting? Well, bank balance accounting is where you – consider the health of your business simply by looking at the amount of money that's in your bank balance. And that's what I think the majority of us do. Mm. You know, we log in, we check, see how much is in the bank and, you know, if there's a lot, yep, it's all good. If there's not, you know, we start scrambling. And, you know, that's what one of the big keys about using Profit First is that, that the funds are in the right account. So we don't get lulled into a false sense of security when we see all, all the money in one account. Yeah. When that money's on ours. Yeah. In in fact, I just had a conversation um, not that long ago. Um, in fact, yesterday with with some builders that um, <coughs> run around about twenty projects a year, um, and obviously a lot of them at the same time. And that was a massive, massive problem for them. And I could just see the stress in the, the poor people's face and, and, you know, you get to hear it in their voice about trying to manage this. Um, and, and you're exactly right. We do tend to account by bank balance rather than a proper accounting process because that seems a bit complex and a bit difficult. So let's just make it easier. Let's, let's open up bank accounts, decide what the profit is for that particular project and if you've got a profit account, if you've got uh, an income account and materials and subcontractors account specifically for that project, by using our favourite bank balance accounting, we can keep track of it. And what we've said every episode this month is what m- gets measured gets managed. And it's this, you know, just, just working in la-la land and thinking things are going really great uh, but not finding out that they weren't going that great and there were overruns and underestimates and all of this sort of stuff 
we find that out when it's too late and there's nothing we can do about it. But if we're just using a basic process like this with the good old bank balance accounting, like you've explained, we can see what's going on really, really easily. And it's to me, it's very motivational. Yeah, definitely. The, the biggest stress that I've found talking to a lot of business owners is just the, the lack of clarity and the lack of vis- visibility around their finances. And having these separate bank accounts obviously goes a long way to fixing that. The issue that you've got as a builder, is, I keep harping on about it, is with the variable cash flows. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're going to have situations where, you know, if you're getting paid a lot at the end of the project, you can have all your money in the materials and subs account, nothing in profit. And so, you might be tempted to think things aren't going well. So, I think it's still important to to use separate bank accounts, however many you want or however, however you want to do it, in concert with some cash flow forecasting because then you know where the money should be going according to the timeline of your project. Yep. And uh, if you weren't with us last week, uh, you did talk about just a simple cash flow forecasting process. Um, So you can go back and have a look at last week's episode or you can even, I expect, reach out to Angus and and, um, talk to him about it and, and see how simple it is to be able to create a really basic cash flow forecasting process that ensures that at the end of the project, you end up with the profit that you wanted at the start of the project, which very rarely happens because, again, we use a hope strategy uh, and we don't have the measurement like we're talking about tonight throughout the project. And it's not until it's too late to do anything about it that we find out, ah, you know, it didn't work because this, that and the other. Um, but the 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 more uh, <clears throat> more in real time, I guess, that you can measure the 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 financial success uh, and progress of a project, the the easier it is to make decisions to get back on track before you're too far off track. Um, something that we need to talk about is what what to aim for in terms of percentage for profit. For projects, because what we tend to find is people get into profit first, and they start with one percent, because that's what the book says, and then they eventually get up to to five percent. But the big majority of people tend to stagnate at five percent. So, what what should we? What do you think is possible in a building business? Well, what's possible? I mean, that's a good question. Um, but why not aim for at least paying yourself a decent wage and ten percent? have that as sort of a baseline goal and then work up from there. I think, you know, you're selling on value, you know, you're not providing a commodity. Um, you're, you're providing something where there's, you know, a high emotional factor um, in terms of the build and getting the clients involved and that sort of thing. So it does give you the opportunity to price um, with good margins. So I think that's you should be going for 10% minimum plus a decent wage, you know, a wage of, of of what it would cost to replace you as salesperson, project manager, so on. Yeah, what a great way of thinking about it. What would it cost you to, repl- uh, to, to employ somebody that does what you do? <laughs> that's, a, that's such a good question to ask because you're probably doing it for cents on the dollar you know, because who else is going to do it and you're the last in line and it's your business and no one cares as much as you and you're thinking all of those sorts of things. 
but what what a great objective to go for is thinking, well, if I had to pay somebody that would take the amount of responsibility and put the amount of effort in that I put in to run this business, what would that cost me? That should be your reasonable objective for your wage. Uh, and then, as Angus says, 10% um, is, is a good place, I think, or you said, Angus, to start. And, and I've always thought, ever since I started talking about and, and learning about Profit First uh, in relation to a building business, particularly with what we teach in um, Builders Business Black Belt, with, with the qualification system, with the, with the attract strategy, with um, building team that creates these tremendous efficiencies and uh, systems and procedures, and then you connect that to profit first, I'm absolutely of the belief that you could have a 20% net profit in a building business and it would be a really enjoyable building business to be in. You know, uh, so I think it's, you know, starting at 10% is, is a good um, challenge for people just to start to think about. You know, don't just settle at that 5%. Always be challenging yourself. How can I do more? And I mean, the simple mathematics of it is uh, increasing prices and reducing um, expenses. That's the simple maths to be able to increase profit percentage. And being able to increase prices is a simple fact of being able to understand what the value is or what represents awesome value for your ideal clients and building your business so you are delivering consistently this awesome value that the the clients recognize as value, not what you think is value. Um, and And you can increase prices. We get feedback like this all of the time that um, our members increase prices and, you know, they crap themselves because they're increasing prices and think that they're going to get pushed back or lose work. And, and nine times out of ten, the feedback is nobody even blinked. It's, it's, it's craziness. So um, that, that's a great thing to, to aim for, I think. Um, another question, what, what is the best review process during a project to ensure you stay on track and avoid these sort of problems um, that we tend to find out about when it's too late? So I think the best review process is something where you're going to be looking at things, I think, weekly. You know, start off going through the, the cost for the project. So you're going to have, obviously, a quoted cost where you've got your budget, and then you're going to have the cost that you've incurred to date and the forecast costs for the rest of the project. So you want to really understand that and really know the detail of that. And you want to check in with that every week, whether you've got an estimator or whether you've got people working for you who you work through that process um, with or whether you do that yourself. It's super important. And some of the, the gains to be made through things like Profit First are based on paying more attention. They're not based on doing things that differently. It's just based on giving attention to things that may not have been paid as much attention to as before. And obviously, when you're building, you you quote a price, and once that price is quoted, other than variations, it's fixed. It's not like you're constantly selling like a lot of other businesses are. So, so once you've got that price in place, then obviously your job is to manage costs. 
And as I said before, we're talking big dollars here. So you've got to know where your costs are at every week. And so you've obviously got your materials costs. And then the other cost you've got is your labour. So where is your labour at or where's your labour cost at in relation to the, the progress of the job? And, you know, are you going to go over or are you going to go under? So you've got to have some way of tracking that the labour productivity against um, against the forecast. So, you know, if you're going to finish the job on time, essentially, and, and um, with the quality you want. So that's the first part of the review process. And it doesn't take that long once you get into the, the habit of it because as you understand your costs, then you know, it's, it's a pretty simple sort of check. The, the next part of the process is a check of the cash flow. And you want to have some sort of forecast for when the money is going to come in and when you're going to pay it so that you know you're going to be okay. And then if you can update that every week, you might want to go through that with someone else. But if you can update that, then when the money comes in, you know where to allocate that money and you know that you're going to be okay, you're going to be able to pay the wages and, and the, the pay-as-you-go and that sort of thing or you know, if there's going to be an issue. And if you can do that, then, you know, okay, well, money's forecast to come in three weeks and when that comes in, I'm going to allocate, you know, X percent to, to profit and so on. And that way, by keeping a handle on cash flow and keeping a handle on costs, you're a long way there. Now, those two things aren't, aren't super difficult, but they just require a bit of time and a bit of regular time, you know, whether it's the same time every week. Um, but uh, So just going through that review process will help a lot. And, um, yeah, so I'd strongly recommend it. And then, you know, if you want to look at the profit and loss statement, you've got to do a work-in-progress adjustment, which... I mean, it's not that difficult, but again, it does take a bit of time. So, you know, profit first. If you've got those bank accounts opening, you can see where the cash is, is in and where it's going to go, then th that can be enough visibility. Um, but at the end of the project, you want to be able to tie in your project's profit and loss statement with what's gone into the bank. Yeah. And, you know, I can just imagine some, uh, some of the builders that will be listening to this, they're going, holy crap, that sounds like a whole lot of work. I'm already flat out now. When am I going to find the time to be able to do that and learn that and build that and understand that? Um, to me, that is, that is a question that they need to answer themselves in relation to, is this worth it? Like, is it actually worth the effort to be able to pay yourself a wage uh, like we just spoke about, that would be equivalent to what it would cost to replace you, uh, someone that would that does everything that you do, plus uh, a ten percent plus net profit uh, per year. Would this extra effort be worth it? Now, the way that I think about it, folks, is this: that like if 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 we've got a printing press, like let's go back a few years, we've got a printing press, and we wind the printing press up. Uh, and it's going flat out. It's it's only going to be able to produce a certain amount of leaflets or whatever the product is that's printing in a certain amount of time. You know, and you can wind that um, printing press up flat out, but it, it'll only go to a certain speed and give you a certain level of productivity. And then, um, if you keep winding it, if you just keep you know, letting it turn over, turn over, produce, 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 and you're not shutting it down for maintenance 
at some stage it's going to slow down, it's going to break, and you're going to be producing nothing. Now, that happens to builders as well. They don't look after themselves uh, and, and they break and their production uh, goes down. But the other thing that I think about in relation to what Angus was saying is there are some modifications that you could make to your printing press that make it go faster, but you've got to stop the printing press. You've got to fit the, the turbocharger or whatever the, the, the performance enhancement um, adjustment is, and, and then you fire it back up. And every time you do that, it's going to be able to produce more, produce more. And I just think that's the, the approach that you've got to take with everything that Angus has said tonight in relation to profit first. You need to find the time somehow to build these simple systems, um, to understand how they work and factor in the time on a weekly basis to be making the adjustments and looking at your reports to see where you are so you can make some changes, avoid problems before they become big problems, and you will be the beneficiary of that. But it is going to take time. It is going to take extra effort and understanding, and you might have to step outside your comfort zone because, oh, I don't like, you know, I'm not into all of that sort of stuff. Well, that's okay. You don't have to do this. Whatever you choose to do or not do is going to give you the results and the outcomes that you're going to experience. So you are totally and completely responsible for where you end up financially. And if you end up in a place financially that you're not all that happy with, that may be because of some poor decisions you've made previously. So think long and hard about that. I think another thing to talk about with that, Mick, is in terms of thinking about the time and effort that this is going to take. I think that the key is um, moving away your time and effort on the finances from from any any type of processing to more of a review. Yeah. So uh, if you're sitting there listening and going, "Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that," and it's like, no, you, you don't have to do all, all the work to to generate what you need to know. You just need to be able to review what's going on so someone else should be doing like 80 percent of this work for you so that you're, you're presented with these figures and you go you know bang 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 this is working this is not this is what's going to happen and for each project you know it might be an hour a week when you think you know there's a 40-hour week and you're doing on a couple of projects at a time and you know they're hundreds of thousands of dollars each it's it's not a large amount of time what you really need is an efficient process where you're reviewing and you're, you know, you're strategizing and you're making decisions. So by, by no means are you doing the grunt work, um, you know, putting together the figures, making the transfers, that all should be done by someone else. So it should be a pretty quick and easy process. I'm just looking at a question here uh, from Scott. He says in their business they've got one part of the business which sells prefab uh, kit sheds, which is uh, a big drain on their cash flow in big months. Would you recommend operating a separate set of profit-first bank accounts for that part of the business and have everything else in uh, the other set of their profit-first accounts? And um, I probably know what you're going to say. I know what I'd say. Yeah, well, you probably would, but the the question is, 
why why is it a cash flow drain? Is that a timing issue? So does the money like is it profitable in the end, or is there a particular reason why? Oh, well, I, I suspect it. It's it's just like the pig in the python. You know, there is a, a timing process where there's a lot of money going out to pay for the kits. You know, bef- and they hold them before the, the the customer pays for them and and things like that. But you know, regardless of that, I suspect that it should be treated like a, a separate project. So if you've got separate mini departments in your business, I would I would suggest that you need to um, have profit first accounts for each of those departments, you know, because in Scott's case, the departments are very different. So there's a, you know, a roofing department and there's, there's a, a, a kit, a shed kit department and then, a, you know. Yeah. It would be good to know how much of a cash flow drain that department yeah. um, was causing. Um, well, as he said, he's he's meeting with you next week, so he will ask you personally then, because <laughs> so, he wasn't sure whether he was allowed to ask the question. And of course, you're allowed to ask the question. That's the whole point of it. Uh, Bretto J McKenzie says uh, we we need to remember we're only human, but. Uh, time in the office is essential to a profitable business. Tools, uh, the tools help pay the bills. However, the office side of the work is uh, just as, if not more, essential. Ab- absolutely, and in fact, um, our conversation this afternoon, Angus, I mentioned to you. I, I don't know how many builders I've run across that they just fall into this trance that they, because they're busy, they think things are going well. And I've I've spoken to so many of them that believe it or not, haven't invoiced for six weeks and 10 weeks and 12 weeks. And and then they are surprised because they've got a cash flow problem. The, the you know, that reporting and, and measuring is absolutely, as Bretto says, it is at least, if not more, essential. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to uh, have a builder that's not going to do the work. Uh, but we always have builders that don't do the administrative stuff, set up the systems and procedures and the reporting and make the decisions intelligently in that administrative side of the business, which causes most of the problems. And one of the things you were just alluding to then, which was kind of my final question, um, you mentioned automating the process. And, and I think what you meant by that is have, having somebody else um, do the distributions, work out what the the percentages are for GST, PAYG, super, profit, all of that sort of stuff, and and do it uh, instead of you doing it. Number one, I suspect it's because it gets done, but I think you've also mentioned that it has a very positive mental and emotional effect on you as well. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, I mentioned last week, you know, I mean, no one likes paying tax, Um so get someone else to do it. Then, uh, <laughs> even though it's your money, just get it's someone else money. to pay it. I never pay any tax. I just get someone <laughs> else. There's a lot that goes out. But um, well, um, for me, you know, profit first has worked a lot better since I've got someone else doing the transfers. Um, and part of that's a time issue, and it's just that attention thing. It's like I was saying, you know, you just need to 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 review this, you know, for one hour a week. And so I, when I was trying to do it myself it didn't get done um and someone else is doing it now and it always gets done and it's very simple it only takes five or ten minutes but part of that's the emotional aspect of it because i don't want to go into my bank account and check out you know how much i've got to pay in tax like it's natural to put that off Mm. no one 
I don't know anyone who, who would want to voluntarily, regularly go into their bank account and go, here you go, tax man, ha- have all this money. <laughs> so give it to someone else to do um, and it'll get done. Yeah. And I love the, that. The other- I mean, it's just super simple. It works. Uh, and, and that's the, the thing with, with Profit First. It's all well and good, you know, and we can all agree that it's a wonderful system, but if it's not implemented, it's not worth a stamp. Yeah, well, I mean, I always harp on about this, but, you know, the biggest risk, I think, is tax and not putting aside enough tax. So, you know, as well as putting away your profit, it's you've just got to get it done. And the other point when we were chatting before is that, you know, with the clients I've got, um, and not necessarily builders, but I really harp on about paying the pay-as-you-go and the GST at regular intervals and the super. And what I've found is that the pay-as-you-go and the super, Excuse me, and the superannuation get paid very regularly, and the, the business owners seem to to not have a problem with, with doing that because the pay as you go amount comes up on the payroll report. It's very simple. You're doing all the pays, you just do the pay as you go on the super, and it's all done. But the GST often falls by the wayside, and we were talking about how, you know how can we set up a system where that gets gets paid as easily as the pay-as-you-go and with the GST, the, you know, the profit as well. So, you know, that's where, again, if you've got someone else who's walking over your, your business and doing it for you, it, it can be easier. So, you know, for me, I've got um, someone who just goes in and checks the bank statement and works out how much has come in and for the GST, you know, that then they do the calculation and do the transfer. Um, but that's the type of thing you need or for someone to tell you, well, GST for this period because you've got a lot of money in or whatever is X, just pay it. Mm. Um, you know, again, like, you know, if you're left to your own devices, I know in my case, I didn't do it. Um, so it's it's putting in place the processes so that it happens and it's easy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. We have uh, come, in fact, we've gone over time again, which I think people are starting to get used to. I don't mean to, but we get a bit on a bit of a roll and, you know, we, we want to give as much value and as much information as we can. But uh, Angus Morrison, thank you so much for being incredibly generous with both your um, your time and your knowledge over this month of April. Uh, you've been with us for, for four uh, shows in a row. I'm sure we'll be getting you back on again um, in the future. And if anybody out there watching needs to have some more specificity, it's a good word, isn't it, uh, in the answers for some of their financial issues, please ask the questions uh, in either Black Belt, uh, Builders Business Black Belt or Builders in a Circle. Um, you can certainly reach out to Angus if you don't know how to get a hold of him. Um, you can certainly reach out to me. I'm easy to find and uh, I can put you in, in touch and, and see whether, you know, Angus is, is the right fit for you and, and is the right person to, uh, to help you with this sort of uh, thing to, to help you get on the, the, the road to financial recovery and, and get a lot more um, of a healthy business financially and just get rid of the the stress and whatever that all of this brings i mean the the biggest thing for me folks is that i think that financial distress is the worst kind because it kind of amplifies the intensity of every other problem that you've got on your plate either personal or professionally you know financial issues just seem to amplify 
every other problem. And and once you get rid of the financial issues and you, and the money's there to pay the bass and you can go away on a holiday that's already been prepaid for and all of these sort of good things, get the rest, the relaxation and the reward for all your risk and effort that you've put into building this business things just go a lot better and it all improves from there. But I hope you've enjoyed these podcasts uh, about Profit First uh, over, April, over April, Profit First month. You can go back and look at the, uh, the, the other three episodes that we've done this month to get some more information. And uh, we will be back again next week with another Builder's Problem Solved. We we'll, uh, won't be talking about Profit First then. We'll be talking about other building problems and uh, the problems associated with building businesses. So I certainly hope you can join us. Uh, one favour I would ask of you is that underneath the video that you're watching right now, there is a share button. I would really, really appreciate it if each and every one of you just reached down right now, click the share button and just shared this video because it, it, yes, it, it is directed towards builders, but I think that there is such good value in this information for pretty much any small business owner. It is so worth sharing. Um, but the main reason that I'd appreciate you doing it is I really am on a mission to get rid of the, the ugly bits out of the traditional building business. And this is definitely one of them. So it's absolutely going to help. And you're going to help that process if you just hit that share button and uh, perhaps even share it to specific people that you know that might need a financial hand. So thank you, Angus, um, Thanks, mate. for, for uh, participating. Thanks, everyone, for being here live. Uh, if you're watching the replay or listening to the MP3 and you want to ask questions about anything that we've covered, you want us to clarify, you can just reach out to me personally, um, Mick Hawes, at you know, on Facebook or Builders Business Black Belt or through Builders uh, Inner Circle. I'm fairly easily found and messaged, so you can certainly reach out and ask questions and we'll do our best to help you out. That is it for this evening. Uh, we've gone way over time, but I hope it's been valuable. And uh, I probably i am not going to be able to um, just sign off yet because my mouse has stopped working once again, so I can't click the... <laughs> the finish button but it's working again now so thanks folks we'll talk to you again next week uh angus and mick bye for now mm -hmm.